Welcome to the Keel Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we're going to be talking all about the mysteries that seem to be plaguing us in the Sea of Thieves, both out of the game and in the game. There's an ARG going. The mystery has kicked up. Someone potentially has died and some uh, cultural things have been kind of happening around Sea of Thieves. So we've got a lot to talk about. So let's get into it. But before we get into anything, I have to thank the patrons because they are the ones that are supporting this podcast and helping me get to SOT Fest. So thank you to People's Republic, Elcute, Balls, Slum, Captain Hasco, Chateau Neuf, Zombie Killer, Cloud, Cosmic Johnson, Davram TV, El Jefe Esteban, Fergatron, Trickster, Jabaro5, Kazia the Rogue, Lumpy SRQ, Ocarian Darth, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Xbox Mike 29, whose birthday it was today, Murphy Lives, Mutinous Max, Registella, Rust Belt Kid, Norwegian, Skinny Matt, Scum Melt 666, Strange Stan, Tarnished Film, That Kilted Guy, TN Professor, Real Big Tuna, Uriel Canes, Big Bad Pad, Mina Fairy, Super Pack, Music Me, The Lore Chronologist, Dead Eye Dre, Ghost Boy 20, Neon, Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Ruski Doo, Straw Hack Hunter, Thor Von Blitz, Windsor Chris, and Zam. Wow. Thank you all so much for your support. It really does help make the podcast better. It helps take care of the bills and it helps me do things for the, the community. It helps me get out to be able to see people, to actually get to visit them and stuff. So uh, I just got my passport actually. So I'm legal to be able to leave the country. Whether I get back in, we'll have to see. So let's get into the episode. First upon today's docket, let's talk about some Eastern Winds Jade uh, controversy that's going on right now. Um, if if you listened to last week's episode, then you already know that we got some Eastern Winds Jade cosmetics that came in with the rest of the update uh, last week. And while a lot of people have been enjoying that cosmetic set, uh, there was recently something that happened that caused us to lose the Eastern Winds Jade beard. Uh, you may be wondering why that would be uh, kind of something that they would remove from the game um let's let's talk about like the actual tweets that came out this is not something that was uh put out on the sea of thieves main page i think they didn't want to avoid uh clattering the the kind of uh, atmosphere with that they wanted to keep that more positive so sot player support uh tweeted this out it's a sot underscore support on twitter uh they said that uh after investigation uh the team has resolved the issues with something that's been going on and due to feedback that they received the eastern winds jade beard has been removed from the outpost store players who bought the beard will no longer be able to view it in their vanity chests or equip it and will receive a refund within the next week so if you're not familiar uh the reason for this is because of the way that it looked um this was something that is most commonly referred to as the fu manchu beard uh if you go and look at the actual like history of this even just a quick wikipedia search you can learn that the dr fu manchu character is a supervillain that was introduced in a series of novels by english author sax romer uh, beginning shortly after or before world war one and continuing for another 40 years uh, the character featured in cinema television radio comic strips the comic books for over 90 years and has uh, also become an archetype of evil criminal genius and mad scientists while lending his name to the Fu Manchu mustache 
So looking at some of the controversy just from the Wikipedia, let's talk a little bit about this so you have an understanding. Uh, the story of Dr. Fu Manchu, both in print and on screen, has sparked numerous accusations of racism and Orientalism uh, from his fiendish design in his nonsensical Chinese name after the release of the Metro Goldwyn Mayer's or MGM's film adaptation, The Mask of Fu Manchu in from 1932 which featured the Chinese villain telling follow his followers that they must kill the white man and take his women. The China, Chinese embassy, uh, or embassy in Washington, D.C. issued a formal complaint against the film. Following the release of the Republic Pictures serial adaptation of Drums of Fu Manchu in 1940, the U.S. Department requested that the studio make no further films about the character, as China was an ally against Japan during the Second World War. Likewise, Romer's publisher... Uh, Doubleday refused to publish additions to the best-selling series for the duration of the Second World War once the United States entered the conflict. BBC Radio and Broadway investors subsequently rejected Romer's proposals for an original Fu Manchu radio serial uh, and stage show during the 1940s. The release of the Fu Manchu uh, or the Mask of the Fu Manchu in 1972 was met with protests from the Japanese American Citizens League, which stated that the movie was offensive and demeaning to Asian Americans. CBS, uh, CBS television decided to cancel the showing of The Vengeance of Fu Manchu. Los Angeles TV station KTLA shared similar sentiments, but un ultimately decided to run The Brides of Fu Manchus with the disclaimer, this feature is presented as fictional entertainment and is not intended to reflect adversarially on any, or reflect adversely, excuse me, I don't know why I was thinking that was another word, reflect adversely of any race, creed, or national origin. So just based on that, you can already see that there has been a lot of pushback on this saying that it is culturally insensitive. And if you don't know, right now we are celebrating Asian Pacific uh, Heritage Month. Um, so the fact that this beard came out and, and just to be clear, the beard itself is uh, it is just kind of a symbol that is associated with something. The beard itself is not something that um, is evil. It, obviously, it's a it's a, a made up thing that's associated with an evil thing uh and you see this in a lot of things in fact i was watching uh avatar the last airbender with my wife recently and uh, i noticed that one of the the prison leaders of the fire nation uh was wearing uh, or had the fu manchu style uh mustache and beard and was played by i believe oh um gosh what is his name i always forget his name uh george takei who is quite the activist for Japanese American uh, liberties and equal uh, or equality and stuff. So uh, even in, in other places like that, we're also going to see that a lot in the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean too. Um, I, I believe Sao Feng is uh, the character's name uh, in the Pirates of the Caribbean, who uh, is a pirate and has a Fu Manchu. So you may be wondering, why the heck is this such a controversial thing on the internet? Well, a lot of people didn't really understand or know the history involved with the Fu Manchu mustache. A lot of us are familiar with it, but without understanding the cultural significance of why it's controversial or controversial, uh, then it, it tends to kind of lean towards people who are like, hey, I like this. I want this. This goes great with my outfit. And they don't associate it with something negative. Uh, likewise, I saw a lot of people from uh, an Asian Pacific or an Asian uh, background saying, this completes my character. This is the, the character that I wanted. Uh, why can't I have it back? 
And when it comes to sort of these things, it becomes a slippery slope. You want to make sure that you are being sensitive to other cultures when you're releasing this kind of content, especially with a game uh, tied to a studio that is a part of a bigger conglomerate that is a national uh, organization like Microsoft, uh, being that they are in multiple culture or multiple markets, uh, both in Asia, Europe, uh, South America, you know, pretty much everywhere. Um, they, they want to make sure that the game doesn't offend anyone uh, to the point where it is harming other people's ideas of that culture. You don't want to perpetuate an idea that something is negative uh, if it's something as simple as a beard or a, a mustache. You know, if that's if that's the least they can do is just try and keep that out. That seems like a pretty easy fix. Uh, so I know that a lot of folks probably were looking forward to having that, especially for those fans of uh, Sao Feng from the actual uh, Pirates of the Caribbean films. But because of that and us trying to be a little more knowledgeable about our surroundings and other cultures and trying to keep their, you know, be a little empathetic about it, I think it's one of those things where it's it's a shame that this has such a negative connotation, uh, but you you it's easier just to remove it. And I could go into examples of this with other things, but I don't really feel like I need to dwell on this so much, especially given how much content we got this week regarding a mystery, our first mystery in Sea of Thieves. So this was the first week of our mysteries, which is uh, an in-game and out-of-game event that they are working on. They're talking about uh, things that are going to be happening in the Sea of Thieves and outside the Sea of Thieves that you need to keep an eye on. Uh, Christina McGrath, who's the head of community, who just recently had a child. So congratulations, uh, Christina, for, for um, having a newborn there. Uh, and Chris Davies, who's one of the senior, uh, uh, no, senior, Chris, what is your role? Designer, senior designer. I had to remember. I kept wanting to say engineer. Um, and they have kind of spearheaded the the mysteries and, and kind of what's been going on. So if you don't know, um, Sea of Thieves puts out videos. Uh, they do a lot of social media. Uh, they, they post a lot of uh, photos and things like that. And in the past, they've started to kind of add little teases, little hints and little things in the background if uh, you're paying attention to some of the stuff going on in their videos. And a lot of that tends to kind of give the community something to kind of uh, uh, toy around with, to, to see what's going on, to see if there's anything behind it. It started out with uh, runes and uh, Duke missing for a while. Um, and eventually we started to kind of find out what it all led to, which was eventually the pirate's life uh, and, and the, the sunken kingdom. Um, now we're getting this uh, first mystery. It is a very calculated thing. They've planned this out. And we uh, have been told for a long time that in season six, we're going to be get something you're going to be uh, uncovering the 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 mystery of someone's murder. We don't know whose murder it is, and they've been very mum on the subject until this week. So with one of the videos that just recently came out, um, the, the videos on YouTube, and I'll have a link to it in the notes if you want to watch it. It's only 21 seconds. And if you're not familiar and you missed out on this, then you've missed the zeitgeist going on around this. Uh, the video itself just has a skull in the uh, title for it, so it's going to be kind of hard to uh, find unless you go directly to Sea of Thieves' channel. Um, but the actual video itself is only 21 seconds, and it opens up on a music box playing We Shall Sail Together until eventually it pans over and you see a skeleton leaned up against a tree. The skeleton is clothed for most of it uh, with, with boots, pants, uh, a satchel, a hat next to him, and uh, some necklaces. And it turns out that this skeleton is dressed 
just like DeMarco Singh, the son of the Pirate Lord and former leader of the Sea Dogs. He's been missing since season, uh, since this latest update. He's been gone. We haven't been sure what's been going on with him. And it turns out that this may be, in fact, his dead body. I say it may be because without actual proof uh, that he's dead and without being able to identify the body besides the bones, we're kind of left up to the the uh, speculation of the community and finding out what Rare has in store for us. Um, this video is, is real short and at the very, very end, there's a, a swiveling pan up as it kind of bird eye views over the actual body. And just before it ends, there's a quick little flash that is a, an, an inverted color uh, couple frames and all it has on it is the letters W H O question mark who and this is the kickoff of season uh, six's mystery we don't know anything more beyond that but uh, many of us have been kind of searching around trying to find out what's been going on so when we went to the actual introduction of mysteries the official sea of thieves video that they put out it was about a minute and 40 seconds long and it had chris and christina kind of talking about some of the things that they're going to be doing one of those things is actually leaving little clues in the video uh, that people can kind of pick up on and i think the first test of this was to see how quickly we would be able to understand what's going on so in that video they actually had four letters that were hidden in the background an n an e a w and an s i found the n in the e the w and the s uh, was a little tougher to find and thanks to the community for uh, being able to kind of pick those out um, turns out apparently you have to to rip the 4k version of the video off and scrub through it little by little looking for clues uh, which i did not have time to do because this was dropped like right in the middle of the day so when you think about those letters the letters that they had spelt out the word news and it quickly led uh scullia and i think eg gamer uh over to the sea of thieves dot com forward slash news website and when they went over there they found that sour scars article the header for that that was kind of like the little blurb kind of giving you a bit of information about what sour scars uh article was going to be about had a weird little hashtag that it's hard to know if this was something that was supposed to work or not work if it was supposed to be an icon or not uh but it was hashtag hashtag mystery key spin hashtag hashtag which if i was a coder would probably be able to tell you if that was supposed to be like an icon or a little symbol or a little graphic to kind of give us an idea of uh what that was um unfortunately we didn't we we, we don't know because shortly after uh we found that uh later that day they removed it and we never saw it again so I went over to uh, Sea Dog's Rest, uh, which we found out was where this uh, skeleton is. And it is very fitting that the uh, skeleton of uh, the supposed DeMarco is found over on Sea Dog's Rest. It makes sense given the nature of the, the actual island. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of people kind of posing ideas. They've been scouring the rest of the world for any kind of clue. And using the video that was used in the introduction to the Sea of, uh, sea of Thieves Mysteries as a kind of header for them to be able to go to the different islands to check out the different graves, the different cave systems, and check for skeletons. And many people have actually found that this skeleton is the same skeleton that is used elsewhere in the world as the game 
um, which leads other people to believe that this may not actually be DeMarco. Some of the other things that kind of support that theory is that DeMarco has a beard, and much like Flameheart's skull that does have a beard, this one does not. So there's a good chance that this might be a, uh, a, a regular skeleton that was just kind of propped up and put in place to kind of present itself as DeMarco. Other people have looked at the flask that was on DeMarco's belt and suspects that foul play is at stake and uh, he, he drank poison unknowingly uh, from his hip flask or his hip bottle and that ended up killing him as well. Many people are also pointing to the satchel as a, uh, a mystery that he had and no one has uh, been able to find it and he was killed over that. And many people are pointing to the, uh, or not many people, but some people are pointing to the orb stream and the lines that came from that and how that was something that uh, they they tended, uh, they, they were able to find out that some of the lines that were actually involved in that were predictions for stuff that was coming in the future months, stuff that we've already seen and stuff. Uh, the the line in particular was from the orb stream where Flameheart Jr. was uh, quoted as saying, your gift will unite all thieves to true piracy. They will drink, they will die, and they will live again to serve the fire. Um, I don't really believe that, first off, this is DeMarco, or secondly, that he would be serving the flame. Uh, this seems like something that is very much uh, a kind of a, a fool's gambit to be diving into uh, that sort of, of um, thinking. I think it would be a little too on the nose for this to be something as simple as uh, DeMarco is um, dead and we're not going to be able to see him from now on. Uh, and, and that is kind of a bummer as well, too. Now, if my theory is correct, and to be clear, I don't think that this is actually dead DeMarco. Um, I believe that this is a, a kind of a setup that he has uh, kind of set this up as a way for him to kind of free himself. Um, if you don't know a little bit of the history that's been going on, I talked about it in the past episode, but I'll kind of give a quick refresher. DeMarco closed down the Sea uh, Dog Arena uh, lore-wise because he had a conversation with his father, the Pirate Lord, Ramsey Singh. The Ramsey told him kind of what was going on, and apparently it was enough for him to decide that he needed to find new purpose in life. And then he knew that a storm was coming, and that to, to weather that storm was something that you had to expect to do, but you would come out on the other side. Uh, and that, that to me speaks about someone who is not going to die, doesn't want to die. So I don't know if this is something where uh, he has actually killed himself. Um, I don't think that anyone was able to kill him. While he is a flashy and boisterous person, he is still a sea dog and still capable to be able to handle himself uh, against his sister, who is probably the better pirate uh, between the two. No, I think this is a skeleton dressed as DeMarco to make us think that he's dead and that there is technically a half-naked DeMarco somewhere in the world. Now, I put up a poll about this and about 130 votes later with 10 hours left, 60% of you believe that DeMarco is actually somewhere alive and half naked and that DeMarco is not dead, but, but still with a good 40% of people thinking that he is dead. Um, I, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like he is such a beloved character that it would be kind of a weird thing for them to kill him off screen. Uh, I feel like that is something that would be added as a video or added as uh, something that, that we would love to actually like interact with as an adventure. Uh, so with this, this skeleton over at Sea Dog's Rest, I think what this is doing 
and it could very well just be he died. But I think this is him kind of clearing his plate, making it seem as though he's actually dead. So that way he could actually go and uh, be allowed to do whatever it is that his father thinks he's going to need him to do. What better way to go around and gather information about the Reaper's Bones, Flameheart Jr., and them trying to get the veil than if he were to fake his own death? No one would be looking for him. No one would be asking any questions about where DeMarco's been. He would be dead. Now, being that this is just a theory, I have no actual proof, just hypotheses uh, or hypotheses about his character, his desire to live, um, his desire to help his father, and Rare kind of pushing that narrative before this happened. It would only make sense to me that it would be something like a fool's uh, a fool's choice to believe the, the what you see is the the answer. It seems like they're they're building a mystery, not because uh, it's as plain and cut and dry as uh, he was killed. Now, the question is, is, of course, who killed him? And that may actually be something where um, that is the bigger question, like who actually killed him. But I mean, at this point, there's only a few people who it could be. Um, it very easily could have been the Reaper's Bones. It could have been uh, Amaranta, who has no, been known to actually not like uh, DeMarco or Lissetti at this point. Uh, or it could have been her sister or his sister. Um, and, and to kind of go down this pathway, it's very easy to say that one, uh, Lissetti Singh is a very strong uh, pirate. She's a very skilled pirate. She's probably the better between the two and is far more a pirate than, uh, uh, than I would say DeMarco is. DeMarco is all about adventure and uh, glory, things like that. Uh, Lissetti is far more about kind of um getting gold uh being the best and and uh, showing your prowess through through your actions not your words um so it's like two two the best bits of uh of of the pirate lord uh when the pirate lord was the the per, the best pirate he was the pirate lord essentially you know ramsey was uh he was uh, boisterous he was adventurous but he was also extremely skilled as well too and his kids kind of picked up on different parts of his character uh as they kind of grew up and they're there's equal parts of, of him, um, just different aspects. So when I think about how uh, Lissetti was upset about what was going on with the arena, she didn't have a say in the matter. He closed the, or, or DeMarco closed the arena without her permission or her advice. And as a result, I think that what happened was uh, Lissetti might have actually killed him. She might have been really upset. She might have been uh, thinking that, you know, he's going, he's being chosen by uh, her father uh, to be, be asked to do this, this quest or whatever's going on that um, apparently Ramsey has plans for his siblings or his not his siblings his uh, kids and her not being included in those to the point where she had no uh, say in the matter when it came to the arena closing could have been enough to push her to the point where she would have killed him because she wanted to be the best she wanted to be the chosen but I can't imagine that Ramsey's would look on that favorably if she was trying to win his favor or if she was yeah if she was trying to win Ramsey's favor um, so if it was was that because and and she probably just wants to be the best in Sea of Thieves. It's hard to know if she still wants her father's uh, uh, approval in this instance. Uh, we know that because of the maps that they had in the comics that they both sought to uh, get to the Sea of Thieves to be able to get glory and fame and be the best pirate. So we don't know if her uh, desires 
are now aligned more with flame hearts or with uh ramses given their 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 tumultuous uh siblingry uh sibling rivalry i guess would be the word that i'm trying to get out so it is very possible that lissetti could have done this she could have killed uh, uh, uh demarco she's skilled enough she uh could have gotten close enough to him very possible uh there's also amaranta who is one of the sea dogs she was in charge of keeping things under control over at the sea dog tavern during the arena time and if you ever spoke to her she never felt really uh that that happy with the twins uh she always felt like she was um, the better of the, the the two or the three technically. So it, it would kind of speak to her wanting to get rid of DeMarco because DeMarco was the one that closed down the arena. And if that was the case, then maybe she had made a deal with Lissetti to uh, open up the arena again if uh, DeMarco was out of the way. Now, I disregard that because that seems to be the biggest motive outside of uh, why she would kill him outside of just not liking him uh, because we know that the arena is not coming back. So if that was her drive, if that was her motivation uh, that we know so far, we really don't know anything about her motivations outside of her distaste for the siblings, uh, then it stands to reason that that couldn't really play a part in this, which is why I think Amaranta as a character is probably more aligned with uh, what is going on with uh wanda and and the uh the sisters of sorrow or the 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 i can't think of what chris said that they were but um th that kind of uh wanda's uh warsmith kind of uh group um i think she might have uh, maybe gone there uh as kind of a callback to earlier stuff that was going on when we were trying to figure out who the masked stranger was but even that is a long shot because there's no proof of that. We just know that she's missing. So with Lissetti missing, with DeMarco missing, and Amaranta missing, it's hard to know kind of uh, who's at play here. Um, there's very easily uh, something that could be overlooked at this point, which is the Veil Voyage uh, that does have the Silvered Sea Dog uh, banner over in the encampments or the emplacements. I think they are emplacements. Uh, and and I, I really don't know if that plays a role in it. It seems weird that uh, Rare would make a choice to involve a mystery that only a small percentage of players actually have access to, given that we know that the next adventure uh, is just around the corner and it is going to involve all pirates. So it seems to me that if they wanted to do something involved with the mystery, that they would want to make sure that it is as inclusive as possible to give everyone an opportunity to find these clues and understand what's going on. So for the time being, until we get more information, some more evidence to kind of assume what's been going on, I don't have definite proof that this is DeMarco's skeleton. And because of that, I'm going to lean towards more of the motivation for him to live, to want to help his father, and uh, for him to want to try and get out of the eyes of other people by posing as a, a corpse at this point. Uh, now, if we start to find out that there's some suspicious stuff going on, uh, there's more clues as to possibly who could have killed him if they did kill him then we can kind of start opening up the uh the the list of suspects because right now it's amaranta lissetti and flameheart jr those are kind of the main characters that we're dealing with right now and as as this kind of story unfolds those are the three that we really want to take a look at we also don't quite know if this is the case if demarco took his own life very possible i don't really see that being a a, a case because 
Uh, suicide is not something that you ever really want to portray in a game. I don't really like the idea of them trying to portray this as a suicide. It seems like um, a really tough thing to kind of um, navigate narratively. Uh, so I, I always kind of hope that they're straying away from that. Um, and with the alternative, as DeMarco being alive, the, him setting up this as to fake his own death, uh, then that kind of opens up a lot more room for the story to go places. You know, could be a death, could not be a death. Could be DeMarco taking himself out of the, the spotlight so that he can go investigate someone else's death. There's a lot of questions that I have about this, and uh, we're just in the first week, so it'll be interesting to kind of find out what's actually going to be going on as we move into the next adventure, which is actually Lost Sands. Ahoy there, pirates. This is the ad for this episode, and I did want to let you know if you wanted to avoid these and just get a regular filler, you can head over to the Patreon. There's a special feed just for patrons that get the ad-free version. If you want to keep listening, though, I can't say I blame you because this week I want to let you know about Loot Crate and getting 15% off of most crates and crate subscriptions when you use the link and code ROBOTSRADIO in the show notes. Also, you can head over to audiobooks.com, get your first three audiobooks for free, and that can include any to VIP books or use the affiliate link for Green Man Gaming. If you're a PC gamer, you'd like to save money on games. It's one of the benefit of being a PC gamer. Head over to Green Man Gaming. You can get codes for Steam, Epic, any of the different stores that they have deals going on. They have deals going on all the time. And if you plan on buying there, please consider using our affiliate link. All of that goes straight to me through the network. Thank you all so much for everything that you do to support this podcast. It means the world to me and I continue to try and improve the quality and the content for you. With that pirates, let's get back to the show. So Lost Sands is going to be coming. We have a video that is due out on the 23rd and there's already a bunch of people waiting for it, which means that it is premiering in nine hours. I have no clue what it is going to involve other than Golden Sands. The thumbnail for this does suggest that it is going to be between Merrick and Flameheart or the Servant of Flame, which suggests that we are going to be deciding on whether or not we are going to restore Golden Sands Outpost. There's been a lot of chatter about this on reddit as well as twitter and other instagram uh instagram and other social media sites kind of talking about what we want to do many people are against it many people are for it and this is something that i confirmed with mike chapman on twitter that is going to be led uh, uh is going to be available for everyone so it doesn't matter if you're a pirate legend or not you're going to have a say in this now we don't know what it's going to involve. I just hope that whatever uh, is involved with it, because adventures do give uh, uh, some sort of memento of that that experience, um, that whatever it is, is as equal as possible. And I hope that the cosmetics are not something that are tied to either side, uh, because obviously if you were to have something where you had a cosmetic that was uh, geared towards like Merrick or geared towards the Servant of Flame, one of those is going to be cooler than the other, and the community is going to go with whatever is the coolest not necessarily which is the one that they want the most. Uh, I've been posing a lot of ideas about how we need to have a new outpost on a different island and that we could maybe pick one of the other islands in the south side of the Shores of Plenty as a new foothold for an outpost. Other people have been saying that we need to bring back uh, the Shores of or the, the Golden Sands outpost. And I'm I'm a little like 
if if I'm being 100% honest, uh, part of me wants Golden Sands Outpost to be restored because of the Easter eggs that are there. Not necessarily how I felt about that outpost because the outpost is kind of big, honestly, and it's very flat. So I'm not a big fan of that, but there are some great people uh, who have some Easter eggs on that outpost, and I want those to be restored. Um, I want those to make sure that those are kept in the game. I don't want them to be lost because they decided that they were going to uh, give it to the community to pick um, to pick the choice between whether or not they were going to be um, whether or not they were going to be keeping Golden Sands Outpost. Now, to be fair, I think that whatever happens, if Golden Sands Outpost does stays the same and it doesn't get restored then the easter eggs that are there will either either be moved to a new area or they will be uh kind of pointed out um but there is a lot that's going to have to happen with this because uh those easter eggs have uh links to them that lead you from umbra umbra has commendations that gives you uh, uh tells you where to go to find those different uh things they've also been tied to um different uh oh gosh i can't think of what they're called but the uh the little the little ledger things that you can do for renown um, where you have to go out and find different easter eggs in the game and stuff too uh, i guess one of the benefits <laughs> of having an easter egg that is roaming around the world all the time as a skeleton captain is i don't have to worry about what they do to islands uh, and then potentially removing easter eggs uh, if if people vote one way or the other I'm very curious what everyone decides um, but i would i would caution you to before we make that choice wait until we actually find out what is going on there like we right now we don't know if if we restore golden sands is it going to come back the same is it going to come back different uh is there something cooler that could come as a result of us not restoring it is there something worse that could come as a as a result of us not restoring it is there something that will cause uh, a more headache if it does get restored like we just don't know the full extent of the the decision that we make so at this point it's kind of hard for me to justify saying like i want it to be this way or that way but i'm kind of leaning towards something like giving us a new outpost uh but at the same time like i mentioned i am very conflicted because i respect the people that have uh, easter eggs there and i don't want those to be lost i also oops, i'm hitting my desk i'm getting animated about this uh i also don't want to have it be one of those things where golden sands outpost looks looks the way it does all the time because it's so dreary and i'm and that's it's a stain on the the shores of plenty uh as it is and 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 i would love to have the shores of plenty remain beautiful all the time i would also like to have a place to turn in loot down in the shores of plenty that is on the south end um so there's good reasons why I would want it restored, but I don't want it restored because I am very curious about what what the alternative is. And if I find out that they don't really have a good alternative for that, then at that point, yeah, let's restore it. Because I, I, I mean, I would much rather have the outpost than not get an outpost at all. But if we do get an outpost, then I would want to see what that out, uh, that that other outpost would end up being. Maybe we take over Reaper's Hideout and Reapers have to move over to the Spire. We don't know. Maybe they just uproot all of the sea dog tavern and move it over and stick it on top of mermaid's hideaway we don't know there's so many good possibilities and 
you're going to have to think a little outside the box to kind of make this decision because at the moment we don't know but the video is coming we'll find out we're getting another cinematic that i'll be breaking down tomorrow um after work so that way i can kind of put that up make sure that you guys uh have any little tidbits that are in there uh, i'm going to try and scrub the video so that i can see if there's any kind of little hidden easter eggs or anything like that that you might want to keep an eye out for i'll be probably putting uh, a breakdown of the trailer up tomorrow um, if not tuesday at the very latest latest. Uh, so look forward to that on my YouTube channel as well. And then this actually goes live on Thursday. Uh, this actually goes live in four days. Uh, bear in mind too, we're, we're on the last week of the the month too like this is the last full week of the month uh so if you need to get your emissary ledgers done make sure you're getting those done you've got some time still you've got at least another week before you uh, have to worry about um uh, the the emissary ledgers uh ending and missing out on anything that you need to work on if you don't then you're perfectly fine don't worry about it it's still surprising to me that we still have a couple weeks worth of the last season uh or of this season season six has been fantastic it has been a in an, an amazing uh slow roller coaster ride or or, or um, yeah i'd say slow roller coaster ride it's been drawn out it's been a big ride but i'm really glad that they have uh been able to kind of keep content flowing keep content interesting and bringing us stuff throughout this season it has been a very full season we've had uh, we're going on four adventures one mystery two community days no one community day yeah i guess technically one community day for season six uh but season the year so far the end of season five and the beginning of season six has been fantastic the only thing that i of course always want to just say is that i feel like the game could definitely be in a more stable state um, and without that it always is going to hurt the the overall gameplay when you especially when you lose out to uh, a bunch of people who are dpi switching and you can't kill them because the game can't register uh the the body in its state that you know they're flipping around and stuff so plenty of other bugs that are going on right now um, i do want to speak to one that i saw recently that if rare is listening i i would really hope that you guys are able to take a look at this um i've had a lot of people reach out to me and i've experienced it a couple times now uh apparently i didn't know about this but apparently there's been really really long load times going on with the game when you come back from the ferry to the point where normally i would chalk this up to your ship is in battle you're in combat and the game can't spawn you it doesn't know where to spawn you because your ship is filling up there's someone in the way uh and in you know things like that a lot of physics issues that they have to overcome to be able to spawn you on a ship especially when it's a sloop and it's a smaller bit of area when you're on a galleon plenty of areas you can spawn when you're on a sloop less less uh that the, the case uh so I, I usually try and chalk it up to something like that to be perfectly honest though i feel like this is actually a situation where it is just kind of longer load times and that's that's rough especially when you're playing on like an nvm hard drive or a series x you expect to have fast load times and if you get to your ship after 45 seconds of a load time your ship is probably gone especially if you're solo so i'm, I'm hoping rare is able to take a look at that uh, there's some other bugs that have been going on in the game that i think really really do need to have some attention paid to them i love this content but there's been some uh some super big issues that have been going on with the game that uh people need to be reporting and, and putting out there so that you can actually uh, 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 help kind of make the game a little bit uh, better. 
So that's kind of where we're at with the state of Sea of Thieves as we uh, move into the next adventure. We're in Adventure 4 with Lost Sands to decide the fate for Golden Sands Outpost. Uh, we're in the thick of this first mystery with the first week, um, and we have a lot more content coming down the line. Uh, one thing that I want to give you all a heads up on, this is some news that we actually got ahead of time, so I can actually tell you before it finally happens. I love when this happens. I love knowing ahead of time when we're going to be getting Twitch drops. Uh, the rest of the Twilight Hunter set is going to be put out for Twitch drops. This is going to start on Friday, May 27th and go till Wednesday, June 1st. It is a full week's worth of content. So what you need to do, you need to make sure that you are watching Sea of Thieves streamers uh, who are partners who are going to be uh, promoting these drops and you need to make sure that you just watch them for 20 minutes and that you have your Twitch account and your Sea of Thieves Microsoft account linked so that way you can get these drops. And remember, you do have to claim these drops within 24 hours of getting them. So Friday, May 27th, you're going to be able to get the Twilight Hunter dress. Saturday, 20, the May 28th, you're going to be able to get the Twilight Hunter hook. May 29th, which is the Sunday, is going to be the peg leg for the Twilight Hunter set. And Monday, May 30th, is going to be the pants or trousers for the Twilight Hunter set. May 31st, that Tuesday, is going to be for the hat. And Wednesday, June 1st, is going to be the Twilight Hunter shirt. So, set a reminder. Make sure if you're in the Discord, you uh, go into the... Oh gosh, where did I have this? I gotta actually open this up because I can never remember where I actually put this. But in the Keel Hall Discord, there is 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 it in the i think it's in rules yep there is a twitch drop notification role that all you have to do is click on the little bell there's 63 people right now in the discord that are are, are uh, available to get tagged um but when twitch drops reset uh typically uh big bad pad who's also one of the patrons uh typically he or or me and a fairy someone usually will will tweet out or not tweet out but message in the tavern talk channel uh that twitch drops are reset uh it's usually around 2 a.m pacific time 10 a.m uh, uh gmt i believe or bst i think it's bst right now uh and i think 5 a.m eastern standard time for those to kind of reset so that you know you at this point we're on to the next drop and what they'll do is that they'll at the twitch drop notification roll so that if you want to get notified uh with a little you know little little white number or not white number uh, i guess it's a white number in a red circle if you want to get that regardless if you want to get the notification that uh the twitch drops are now live uh or it's a new day in the twitch drop cycle uh make sure you head over to the rules channel in the keelhauled podcast or the podcast discord uh click on the little bell make sure that you're signed up for that and then that way you can get added quote unquote added uh for the twitch drops um in the discord channel so so you don't miss out on these because it's going to be six full days. So you don't want to miss any of these because missing one of them, who knows when they're going to bring them back. Uh, but that's one of the other things. Um, the other thing that I that I wanted to let you guys know about is that there is a, a retro rendition of the Sea of Thieves song, We Shall Sail Together, uh, available. Um, that is is going to be out on pretty much any, any streaming platform. So I, I usually go with Spotify, but Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, TikTok, all of those are going to have the Sea of Thieves, We Shall Sail Together retro mix. So make sure you're heading over to those uh, different platforms if you can. Spotify is free. So that's the easiest one to go to, uh, in my opinion. 
and listen to the retro remix if you wanted to. The other last little thing that I wanted to let you all know about, and I'm going to double check to make sure that this is something that is still available, is the Beyond X uh, Sea of Thieves collector's bundle for the Beyond Energy uh, collector's um, event, where it has the glow-in-the-dark shaker uh, for Sea of Thieves, and it's the uh, Athena Colada uh, 40 servings tub that is uh, available. It's uh, $33.33 uh, in pounds. Um, I think when I ordered it, um, I, I broke down and, and ordered it uh, so that I could get uh, another shaker and another tub since these are going away. Um, and I think it cost me about 50 bucks uh, to get it over here. So that probably would have gone to Elden Rings um, or Dark Dark Elden. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's Elden Rings. Uh, I was thinking about picking that up, um, but I didn't want to torture, torture myself. So I ended up to... Uh, deciding to stock up on some more of that beyond energy stuff because that stuff's actually really good i actually really really like that uh so that's kind of what's going on in the sea of thieves um i did want to kind of keep this a little bit shorter of an episode because we're on the precipice of finding out more about what's going on with the adventure uh next week's episode is going to be the actual uh adventure and we're going to be talking with the the Kilhald gold hoarders uh the the patrons of the show we're going to be doing that episode next week um so they'll be able to do that and what did i want to, what i wanted to do is um actually kind of give the floor over to Caleb. Uh, Caleb sent me a, a very special episode. Uh, it's about 20 minutes long and it's on the arena. Uh, he wrote me an email and said he's very proud of it uh, and that in many ways it's a, an homage to, to the arena. So uh, I'm going to put this in here at the end of the episode and that way you all have an opportunity to kind of listen to it and ho hopefully you, you like it as much as I liked it. Um, and of course, uh, because Caleb scheduled my skill uh, for some reason, he, whenever we talk, we always talk for about four hours. So it was kind of uh, uh, surprising to kind of get this and know that it was a short, condensed little conversation about uh, Arena. So um, I'll put that in here. And I, Pirates, I hope you guys have a, a good time. I'll see you at the end of this. The day is April 30th, 2019. The biggest update yet was about to drop. A brand new storytelling mode was added in Tall Tales, releasing 10 tales at once. The Hunter's Call, a brand new trading company was added, adding the long-awaited ability for players to fish. But for a subset of players, the more competitive ones, something even greater was added. A place to test your metal a place to dive right into the action of fighting other pirates, of sinking their ships and competing to see who was the best. The update was so big, it was labeled Update 2.0. This is the story of Arena.
It's November 10th, 2018. The fourth annual Xbox Fan Fest is taking place in Mexico City, where a crowd of over 10,000 people get ready to hear what Microsoft has in store for their favorite console and franchise. It is here that Rare makes their first public announcement of a new mode coming to Sea of Thieves, Arena. With it, a new trading company, accommodations, and cosmetic rewards. But Rare was playing it close to the vest, claiming that the upcoming update to be only the Arena. But three months later, players would be surprised to see in the anniversary update announcement trailer that Arena was only part of a huge update coming to the game, hereafter referred to as the anniversary update. It was only a month away. The month flew by, and before everyone knew it, Arena was out. Upon booting the game, players were presented with a second game mode, a button just as big as the adventure mode button. The signal was clear. There was now two ways to play Sea of Thieves, and the developers were in it for the long haul. Arena was a solely PvP-based mode. Five galleons would spawn in and hunt after the same set of X marks the spot maps. Players would get points for killing enemy players, hitting enemy ships with cannonballs, digging up chests, and turning them in. With such a small arena to fight in, and players fighting over the same few chests, combat was guaranteed and fast-paced. A new way of respawning was even added, circumventing the Fairy of the Dam to get players back into the action as quick as possible. The game was electric. The Arena Tavern, which acted as a lobby before a match would begin, would be a buzz of activity and player interaction. As a designated safe zone, players could interact with each other without being able to harm one another. It was the only place of its kind in all of the Sea of Thieves. Arena would be developed alongside Adventure Mode. Patches would frequently address issues in both modes, and brand new additions were added for both modes, even adding crossplay to Arena. But in October of 2019, the biggest update to Arena yet would be released. Arena would be introduced to Sloops. October's update was, traditionally, a large Halloween-themed update. So at the same time Adventure Mode was getting the significant Fort of the Damned update, Arena was introduced to an equally significant update. Now players could play with only two players in their crew, making it easier to play as you needed to get together only one other friend, or rely on one random player to get in and play. But this update introduced an unforeseen problem. As time went on, even though both modes were getting consistent updates, Arena's queue times were getting longer. To fill a sloop arena match, you would need 10 people for a full server, and servers would often start without 5 ships, thus requiring even less people. For a galleon server to be as full, it would require double the amount of players. With sloop arena being more accessible, their queue times weren't changed much from what players had been expecting before, when it was just galleons. If anything, it was getting shorter, but galleon matches were experiencing extended wait times as everyone was going to the faster and easier to assemble sloop queues. Rumors abounded about brigantines being introduced, but that would never come to fruition. Perhaps Rare wished not to split Arena's matchmaking a third time. Updates were consistent with both modes. If new tools were added, such as fireballs, they would be added in Arena as well. Any chance Arena's player base had to dwindle was cut off at the knees by update 2.0.9. New accommodations were added for those glorious sea dogs who wished to become triumphant. As players unlocked glorious sea dog cosmetics, they could equip those cosmetics to earn new accommodations and cosmetics. Arena had perfected something that Adventure, even to this day, still had trouble mastering. Glorious sea dogs did accommodations right. Almost every accommodation gave something, most more than just a title. Get 200 kills with the Eye of Reach? 
you've unlocked the glorious Sea Dog Eye of Reach. Place top 300 times, get the clothing. And with the introduction of the triumphant Sea Dog Commendations, now players could use those earned cosmetics to earn more. Raise a glorious Sea Dog Cup of Grog with other players and unlock the triumphant one. Hit a ship a thousand times with the glorious Sea Dog's cannons and get the triumphant ones. Get 100 kills with a glorious Sea Dog flintlock? Now you have the triumphant one. Play and win matches with the outfit and ship set to get the triumphant version. Win a game with all the triumphant version equipped and you even got the triumphant Sea Dog title. Every single Triumphant Sea Dog combination awarded something. And with the introduction of these combinations, even those who had maxed out Arena had a reason to play a lot more matches. Arena was going strong. Players had seen from Rare that it was just as important to them as Adventure Mode. April 22nd of 2020, Ships of Fortune drops. An update to rival the anniversary updated. It added a new faction, the Reaper's Bones, a new way to progress with the Emissary system, and the introduction of what Rare was to call Arena 2.0. The battle arena was made smaller, forcing more engagements more frequently. The treasure maps were reduced, with now only a single chest to fight over, with the beacon flying above it for all to see. The contest duration was reduced from 24 minutes to 15, so players could jump in and out quicker. Silver payout was rebalanced and penalties were added for quitting to help address the issue of contests slowly losing players. Arena was given a new breath of life. Queue times were short, contests were fat paced. It filled an important niche. Players could now quickly hop in and out of a game that usually required hours of commitment per session. Playing a quick game of Sea of Thieves on your lunch break was now possible. Players were so happy with the update that they overlooked an incredibly important thing. The ledger wasn't added to Arena. It made sense not to add the Emissary system to Arena. If everyone has the Arena Emissary up, <laughs> then no one might as well have it. Most it could do is reward long play sessions. But not having a ledger was confusing. Arguably, the most important mode to add a competitive leaderboard to is the competitive game mode. Still, these changes along with player revival and rebalancing to sword combat made Arena feel fresh. Little did players know that this was the last hurrah of Arena. Updates came and went, and Arena was rarely on the list. As players got their accommodations finished, with no new tools to use in Arena, queue times became longer than the games themselves. Players would describe the mode as a ghost town, but those players would soon come to regret those words as premature, as the day Arena truly became a ghost town was January 28th of 2021. Arena communication was cut off. Now players could only communicate with their own crew. The feedback was mostly negative. 652 posts across 19 pages, but Rare didn't care. A sign of things to come. They had made their decision and didn't care about the feedback they got. The reasoning was that the majority of toxicity reports came from Arena. That reasoning had people wonder what they might do next. If 80% of toxicity reports in Adventure happened with sloops, let's say, would they mute all sloops? The message was clear. Arena was being forgotten. It's only updates to remove bugs added in by adventure mode updates. It took two months to remove sirens after they had been introduced. On June 22nd, the arena button was reduced in size and thrown to the corner. 
The message was that this was no longer one of two equal modes in Sea of Thieves. It was a mini-game to be put in the corner. January 27th of 2022, one day away from exactly a year since the last arena change, Rare had posted a preview event full of updates to adventure mode and buried in the middle of the video was the announcement we all knew was coming, but we had hoped wasn't. Arena was going to be closed. In the announcement forum post, there were 2,000 posts across 55 pages. And the first words you see when looking at the announcement ping on Discord? The decision around the arena has been made and it is final. A game company that time and time again claimed to listen to the players, to let them shape the Sea of Thieves, were told not to bother trying to change their minds. This decision has been made and will not be reversed. After this, how could anyone believe the claims made often in the past and in the announcement video itself that they listen and craft things based on player feedback? When they said, we won't be listening to your feedback. Funny how this post on Discord had a thumb up reaction you could click on, but not a thumb down one. I guess they were taking their cues from YouTube. Not only would they not even entertain the idea of changing their minds on this decision, they didn't even want to see players' feedback in even the most basic of measurable form of a number next to an emoji. This was par for the course. They behaved the same way on their last arena change of removing voice and text chat. To arena players, it felt like a big screw you days before their big so-called community day. In the post and the video, Rare gave their reasoning. Only 2% of our players' time is spent in the arena on a consistent basis. The arena regretfully never became popular enough to justify focusing our creative efforts there. But the arena closure wasn't the only announcement in that video. A lot of promotional effort was put forth to bring excitement to their new way of updating adventure mode story, Adventures. To many, it was awkward that Rare were moving effort from maintaining a mode that anyone can play at any time for an excuse of 2% to focus on a steady production line of time-limited adventures that are only available for two weeks at a time and then disappear forever. But adventures weren't the only premiere feature of that video. There was also an Athena update. As of April 4th, 2022, two months after this announcement, Rare released stats that only 4% of players were Pirate Legends. Rare was taking away something at the excuse of only 2% of players' time spent there to make content for 4% of their players. This left a very scary world for those who looked to what future changes could have in store for beloved game features. With this excuse rattling around, what content was safe from removal? If they removed this huge game feature due to a low percentage of time spent using it, what else would they remove? Will they remove Tall Tales because only a low percent of players' time is spent on them? Players were shocked at how dense Rare could be to announce the closure of Arena, only to announce in the same video two major updates focused on a similar percentage of players. It was telling that the vast amount of discussion from the community focused on the arena, even though it was only a very small part of the video. Maybe only 2% of the video? There was so much outrage that the Discord was put into a 10 minute slow mode. To those who asked if keeping the arena going as it was, was a possibility, Rare responded with, The arena has required considerable development work just to keep it functioning in its base state, and will continue to represent a significant ongoing workload for us, which is ultimately what leads us to the decision that we've shared with you today. While some believe this, it wouldn't do much for those who weren't trusting enough to take Rare at their word. And after they just promised to listen to players, then said they wouldn't change their mind no matter the reaction, it was hard for many people to take their word at this or anything else ever again. In a rare turn of events, Rare was true to their word, and on March 10th, 2022, with patch 2.5.0, Arena was closed. 
its cosmetics lockered, its accommodations put in a graphical museum, audience of only one ever in at a time. Funny how a shirt that had been on an arena loading screen since the beginning was added shortly before arena closed. A fitting last hurrah. What could Rare have done differently? Players would often makeshift their own mode dubbed Team Deathmatch or TDM. Rare could have added a TDM game type and others such as Territories or Battle Royale, all with the Sea of Thieves twist. But this raised the question, was Arena never updated because people didn't play, or did no one play because it was never updated? But on this, Rare had an answer. Only 2% of our players' time is spent in the Arena on a consistent basis, and this has never really changed. You catch that? Even when they made a significant change in Arena 2.0, people didn't play it much more, and consistent results weren't seen. It may be hard for people to hear, but Rare was right. It didn't warrant more development time. Even after all this, Rare did good by their Arena veterans. Those who got to Reputation 5 with the Glorious Sea Dogs got the Arena ship sets, and with a nice touch that they came with the previously unused figureheads. While level 5 seemed low to get all of the normal ship sets, what Arena player hasn't wanted the Arena cosmetics to use in Adventure Mode? And the Good Boy set for those who hit level 50 was just right. They made a very good decision to cut off rewards before the announcement, truly about rewarding those who enjoyed Arena, not bandwagoners. On the topic of compensation, one wonders if they would have been willing to offer refunds. If it's only 2% of the player base, they shouldn't worry about it, right? At the time of this writing, no refunds were ever reported issued due to the closure of Arena. They changed the costumes built in a moat and offered a refund for that, but I guess closing down one of the two possible game modes wasn't as significant of a change to them. But what lessons were learned from Arena? We learned that Adventure Mode will stay strong through additional modes. People didn't abandon Adventure Mode in droves for another mode. The Adventure Mode is so strong that it survives another mode with an advertising machine behind it. This helps satiate the fears people have with a possible PvE mode being added and turning Adventure into a ghost town. We learned that despite its many flaws, players enjoyed off-ship weapon combat and yearned for a way to engage in it. We also learned that accommodations can be fun and engaging when they reward players for obtaining them, especially when it's more than just a title. Perhaps the biggest lesson learned was for Rare, not to bite off more than they could chew. Arena was such a big production that Rare had Flix Interactive help develop the mode. Was it any surprise that when Flix stopped working on it, Rare struggled to even maintain the mode? The scariest lesson that the players learned was that no matter how significant the content in the game, Anything can be removed at any moment. Even a big update doesn't mean that the mode is being worked on. It could always just be its last hurrah. I'd like to spend the last part of this episode talking about my personal experience with Sea of Thieves' Arena mode. When Arena 2.0 came out, I had 120 wins to my name. I won most of those with random people on a sloop I would recruit from Discord. Through one of these people, I was introduced to a server full of arena people. With so many people, even though I worked third shift at the time, when I wanted to play, there was always people ready to jump in with me. For two weeks, I would sleep, work, and play arena. In 12 days, I won 10 games a day to reach my 240 wins as a pirate legend. 
From this, I made friends I still play with today. We went through the fire together and came out the other side. I was grinding my Triumph and Sea Dog combinations at the same time, so at the end of the 240 games, I was done with Arena. But I still played occasionally with the boys. Whenever people debate the merits of something they've taken part in, their experience poisons the well of conclusion. I would never say that the 240 wins was a good decision, just because I had a good experience attaining it. I turned a bad situation to a good one. That's a credit to my alchemy, not the base ingredients I was forced to use. Did you know that Rare had announced that they were going to reduce that combination to 100 wins as a pirate legend, but reverted it based on player feedback? <laughs> Ironic, I know. The Victoria's Sea Dog Blunderbuss is an artifact of that decision. Watching Arena change over its life was quite an experience. Seeing the techniques change, such as leaving one X marks the spot left on a map to secure your lead, to 2.0's galleon tactic of not caring about the chest and just hitting upper deck shots to rack up points, to the great TDMing near the end of its life. After the closing of Arena announcement, I found a group of people and we traded kills as we grinded the combinations we had left. For me, it was getting kills with a cannon since people were resurrected, it didn't count. So I got my last 50, chilling with some peeps, all talking about Arena's closure and reliving our memories with it. I'll always find it a little ironic that it took a mode that Rare abandoned to teach me the value of sharing stories in the Sea of Thieves. Now, the Glorious Sea Dog Tavern and Adventure Mode stands as a symbol of Arena. A symbol of a mode awesomely designed, completely abandoned. A pile of wasted potential. I think it would be cool if, with the retiring of Arena, the door to the Glorious Sea Dog Tavern would be opened so we could still enjoy this very special and uniquely designed tavern. A tribute to the place where so many stories were made. I think the true tribute to what happened right now can be found in the conversations you can have with Lissetti and DeMarco. See if you can catch the parallels between Rare and the community regarding Arena. Greetings, friend. If you're here to join the Sea Dogs, I'm afraid you're a little late. What happened to the Sea Dogs? Disbanded, that's what, and by my own hand. The contest concluded, the guns silenced, and the final pieces of silver tallied for the books. A weighty decision, certainly, and one that the son of the Pirate Lord must take upon his own shoulders. The deed was mine, and mine alone. Although I must admit, I had hoped my sister would have been rather more supportive. Moving on, however necessary, is never easy. One day, I'm sure she'll understand. I did what had to be done. What will become of this place? I have absolutely no idea. That's exciting, isn't it? To think of all the things this glorious tavern could one day become. The attack on Golden Sands Outpost should remind pirates that nothing on these wild waters is a certainty. Gain and loss are just two sides of the coin. From up here, I've watched the rise of the Reaper's Bones, witnessed Flameheart's return, and so much more. It's time I got back on the waves. A few of our numbers have already set sail for new adventures. Even Amaranta. It seems strange. I always thought she had a bit of a thing for me. You seem... a little pensive. I must admit, I find myself drawn to the horizon of late. I've taken this view every morning, but now I enjoy it with fresh eyes. I thought I knew precisely where my life would lead. That all changed with a single visit from my father. Ah, but don't concern yourself with me, my friend. Weathering change is like sailing through a great storm. In that moment, you may not be able to spy your next destination. But you do not fear. You know that sooner or later, the clouds must part, and you will see. We're closed. What is all of this? This was the glorious Sea Dog Tavern, home of the arena. 
Now it's a monument to my foolishness. Imagine thinking my brother could change his ways. He's always been rash and impulsive, but just when I thought he'd finally grown up. Anyway, it's as I said. We're closed. Are you in charge around here? Ha! I used to think so. DeMarco and I were supposed to be a team. We built this place up together from scratch. Our own way to make a mark on the Sea of Thieves. Then one day, he announces that the Sea Dogs are disbanding, without even consulting me. I was so shocked, I didn't even hit him. After all we'd been through together, I hate him going behind my back like this. But not as much as I hate not knowing why. What will you do now? Who knows? My old crew must be scattered to the four corners of the map by now. All I know is, I'm not about to turn up on Dad's doorstep begging for work. The daughter of the Pirate Lord should be able to find her own future out on the waves. And if that happens to carry me far, far away from Brother Dearest, then so be it. Pirates, that's going to do it for this episode of the Keelhauled Podcast. Caleb left a really long outro on this, and it's a perfect way to kind of end this up. I think there's a lot going on with uh, the mystery that is going to lead into DeMarco and Lissetti, and this kind of helped kind of reassure us that there is a lot of information that's been left unsaid unless you went and actually visited these characters. Um, it is kind of a bummer that Arena didn't become the thing that it was meant to be, I think. And because of COVID, I think on Honestly, uh, it, it killed a lot of the opportunities for devs to get feedback from players at competitions over at different conventions and things like that. We didn't have in-game conventions to be able to have tournaments and such. Uh, I remember Guardian Games was really popular when that came out. They were giving away silver and gold Xbox Ones at the time. And unfortunately, there was definitely an opportunity for them to kind of uh, adapt to what players wanted. And it might have actually improved the combat for the game if they had stuck with Arena and they got to see what was going on. If more people jumped into it, uh, I think that we probably would have had a better state for the actual combat. Um, I still think there's a lot to be learned about what's going on in adventure from Arena and how people are playing. I've definitely noticed a lot of people playing arena in different ways uh or not arena but adventure in different ways where they are not using their ships nearly as much um so very curious to get your guys thoughts on this it was a great uh little little um 20 24 minute uh kind of intro there or uh, kind of arena thing that, that caleb did for us there so uh, make sure you guys are giving him some love for that because i know there are some uh sea dogs out there that are big fans of that and pirates with that thank you i love you and i look forward to sailing with you on the sea of thieves to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Do you love the Mass Effect series? And are you looking to learn even more about Mass Effect? The things that you didn't even know that you didn't know? Well, this is your host, 
Tom, or robots, and me and my co-host N7Legend do a show called The Mass Effect Lorecast. It is available on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this right now. We also do it live on twitch.tv slash robotsradio, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific on Sunday nights. So go look it up right now, The Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to have you join us. Hey Guardians, we are the Destiny Show Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things Destiny 2. We invite amazing guests from the Destiny community to share their stories and discuss the latest topics from the world of Destiny. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will see you starside.